Almost 60 years ago, an experienced group of hikers set out on a grueling journey on what would later be called the Dyatlov Pass, but they never returned. The incidents that took place at the Dyatlov Pass are one of the biggest mysteries known to humankind to this day. What was found of their bodies is completely disturbing and nearly impossible to explain. You're listening to Mysteries on Earth. I'm your host, Holly Fortino. Join me as I delve deep into the greatest unsolved mysteries this Earth has ever seen. From fact to theory, secrets of the past and present will be uncovered. Let the investigation begin. Majority of the hikers were students at the Ural Polytechnical Institute. They were all part of a hiking club at the university. As a matter of fact, this particular hike was sponsored by the university and oversaw by the Soviet government. All of them are very experienced and advanced hikers, two of them women and seven of them men, mostly in their early 20s. The group was led by 23-year-old Igor Dyatlov, whom the hiking path was later named after. On January 28, 1959, the group set out to hike the Ural Mountains in Soviet Russia. The actual hike was supposed to last 16 days. Now this wasn't any hike for any amateur. This was a Category 3 strenuous hike through the Soviet mountains, the highest and most advanced level. What that means is that the hikers received no extra help whatsoever. They were not allowed sleds to carry their supplies. All of their food, shelter, and water went on their backs. No extra skis, no extra poles, and no radio. The snow was about 12 feet deep, so hiking on foot was not an option. Each person had to hike with skis and poles. Like I said, these were the best of the best hikers. These were hikers that had survived poisonous snake bites, bear attacks, and even been shot on accident by hunters on their previous hikes. These people were no joke. The mountain peak being hiked was so rural, the group had to travel by train, bus, truck, and sleigh just to get to the starting point. At the starting point, one of the hikers, Yuri Yudin, decided to turn around and go home. He had a known nerve problem which had begun acting up the night before. He decided to stay back so he wouldn't slow down the group. Yuri was very upset about missing the hike at the time. Little did he know, he just avoided death and saw his friends for the very last time. For the first two days of the hike, journal entries and photographic images show the group having a great time, a seemingly normal group of young adults doing what they love. All entries and photos come to an abrupt end January 30th, just two days after the trek began. The group was supposed to be back February 12th, but of course, no one returned. At first, no one was concerned. This was a long hike in a Soviet winter. Hikes are often held back due to weather. Five days passed and family members of the hikers began to grow concerned and spoke up. Now eight days have passed and the students still haven't returned or have been heard of. The university starts up a search party, mainly consisting of volunteers and students who were also part of that hiking club. For the first few days of the search, planes flew over the area but found no signs of people. Since that had no turnout, a helicopter dropped search parties in the suspected area of the hikers. On February 26, nearly a month after the group went missing, their tent was found frozen to the ground on Ortorten Mountain with not a soul near it. Here's where it gets strange. 
The tent was seemingly completely normal. Clothes and food were found sitting out, like people were just hanging out there. Everything was intact, and most of the hikers' personal items were in the tent. The only thing out of order was the fact that the tent was cut from the inside, as if someone were trying to escape. But every other item in the tent was unharmed and right in place. Right outside of the tent were scattered items of the hikers, like coats, hats, and loose change. Searchers began to follow stumbled footprints not far from the tent. The strangest part is that experts guarantee the footprints were either barefoot or just in socks. Mind you, it is about 22 degrees below zero. These footprints lead to the bodies of George and Yuri. Their bodies were found a mile from the tent and completely underdressed. Even sleeping inside the tent, you wouldn't be this underdressed. Their causes of death were determined hypothermia, although they both had internal damage. This led to the next three bodies being found. Zena and Igor were found about half a mile from the tent. Both had some layer of clothing, but still not nearly enough for this weather. While having minor cuts and bruises, both of their causes of death were determined hypothermia. The fifth hiker, Rustam, wasn't found until March 5th. He also had minor cuts and bruises and was only wearing one boot when he was found. He had a fractured skull, but his cause of death was found to be hypothermia. The last four bodies weren't found until two months later, when the snow began to melt. A dog sniffed out and found them buried under about six feet of snow. Alexander died of hypothermia, but he had a broken nose and was missing both of his eyes. It was later discovered that his clothes also had traces of radiation. Simon was found next to Alexander. Simon was also missing both of his eyes and died from a crushed chest and broken ribs. Simon died in full hiking gear with a camera around his neck and a pen in one hand and paper in the other. Nikolai was also found in full hiking gear, but he died from a crushed skull. Next to him was Luda, who was barely clothed. She died from crushing injuries to her chest and was found with no tongue. Her clothes were also later found to have radiation on them. Most of the bodies found were wearing the clothes of other hikers. Now that you know the story, let's talk about possible theories. A common theory is the possibility of an avalanche. This theory was quickly debunked with the fact that the tent appeared completely unharmed. There was no sign of a natural event. Nothing was crushed, everything was intact. As I said earlier, there was a box of crackers and bread unbroken and unharmed. So an avalanche is just out of the picture. Sure, an avalanche can cause the broken ribs and crushed skull, but it still doesn't explain the radiation and missing tongue. Another theory passed around is that the hikers were slaughtered by the Mansi nomadic native tribe. The group was hiking in a region where the Mansi tribe lived. The Mansi people named these mountains Dead Mountains and nailed up signs saying, Do not go there. So of course, it had to be these unruly nomadic people. Wrong. Completely wrong. There is a huge common misconception here. The Mansi people were generally known as very peaceful people who lived off the land. 
They simply called the mountain Dead Mountain because there were no animals to hunt or vegetation to harvest. They nailed up Do Not Go Here signs for their own well-being, just so they wouldn't waste their time searching in a place that has no food for them. Now that the idea of Mansi people are out of the way, could it have been other criminals? Well, considering all of the hikers' belongings were still there, it's very unlikely. All of their money, passports, and backpacks were still in or at least around the tent. I also highly doubt someone would go to that extent on a freezing mountain to steal a couple of dollars from some college students. Another theory is that a possible Soviet missile caused the death of the hikers. The incident did in fact take place during the Cold War, where countries were in an arm race to create the most destructive atomic bomb, and so on. Yes, an explosive could have caused a lot of the injuries found, but there was no evidence of any explosion found, and there were no documentation or records of any missile launched at the time. There are as many conspiracy theories as the day is long, and new theories come out every day, even 60 years later. But every theory thought of has major holes in it. Everything that happened remains speculation. The only survivor, Yuri Yudin, spent a lot of his life trying to figure out what really happened to his friends. He knows this was no fault of their own. They were highly experienced hikers, the best of their kind. What happened at Dyatlov Pass doesn't add up, and it never will. Justice was never served for the victims or their families. To this day, it remains a mystery on Earth. I would like to give credit to Carl Casey at White Bat Audio and Audio Jingle for music, and Stacey Galloway for her in-depth information from her novel, Death of Nine, The Dyatlov Pass Mystery. If you'd like to hear a certain mystery, or even share one, don't hesitate to send an email to mysteriesonearth13 at gmail.com. Join me next week as we take a close look into the Zodiac Killer, the killer who taunted police rather than running from him. To this day, their identity is still unknown.